Hey, welcome back to Pigeon Hockey. This is Chris, and today's co-host, Sebastian. Hello, hello. And you know us, we're just a goalie and a goon that have taken one too many pucks or fists to the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. On this episode, we want to introduce our special guest, the Director of Scouting for the NHL Robertson Cup National Champion New Jersey Titans, Gary Biggs. Gary, welcome to the show. What's going on, fellas? How is everything? It's going good. It's going good. It seems like it's going a lot better for you guys right now. Yeah, it's been a crazy two weeks, you know, coming back from Minnesota and getting ready into off-season mode. So we're ready to get going, and uh, we're excited for next year already. Yeah, it was it was a heck of a run. We were really excited to get into that. But first, we'll have Sebastian kind of take it away. Again, thanks for taking the time. And I guess kind of the first question I really wanted to kind of ask you was, uh, you know, tell us a little bit more about yourself and kind of what led you into the role of director of scouting with the Titans. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Jersey guy through and through. I grew up in Bridgewater. Um, I played my youth hockey for the New Jersey Rockets. And later I, I came over to the New Jersey Titans at the time. They were in the Met League. And um, from there I, I went to school. I, I played for Youngstown State, which is, uh, was an ACHA Division One program at the time. And um, once I graduated, I, I knew I wanted to work in hockey and continue to work in hockey. And I got my first scouting gig really with the Kenai River Brown Bears, you know, in the North American League. So since 2012, I've really been in this league. And it, it's one of those things where you just you continue to work your way up the ladder. So from there, I worked in the Ontario Hockey League with the Barry Colts. From there, I was hired by Craig Doremus. I was working with him for about two years. And um, there was an opportunity to take over the scouting role, the director of scouting role. And um, that's kind of where it took off. That's incredible. Like <laughs> just just going from the playing career to being able to just stay in hockey. I think that's that's a dream for I would say most people within the hockey world. When you have the opportunity, you know your playing career is probably done. Like my playing career never happened. But <laughs> for, for those whose like playing career like kind of wraps up for multiple different reasons, to be able to stay in the hockey world and end up in coaching and scouting positions, you know, for me is to dream. And I would say like from goalie to goalie, because I, I, I looked at your your history there and you did a lot of not only are you currently the director of scouting for the NHL Titans, but uh, I see a lot of titles including you know goalie scouts so why is goaltending the best position in all of sports bias well, opinion and, yeah. <laughs> and as a director of scouting what are you looking for in attending uh, i mean i i I beg to differ. I, I hate the goaltending position. I always. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, me that's the nuts. answer we were looking for. <laughs> um, they, they drive me nuts, you know, um, but I, I think what makes the goaltending position special is it you dictate the outcome of the game, really. You know, I mean, you just look at what's going on in the National Hockey League right now, like Igor's shutting down Tampa, you know, like and it's it, his team's getting outplayed, but he, he he's dominating the series, you know, and same thing for us. Like we, we brought in Takis and um, he was a big part of the reason why we won the Robertson cup this year. And, and for us with the New Jersey Titans, like you look at all our goaltending success we've had in the past, we actually just updated our alumni list every year. We have one to two division one goaltenders. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's a secret. Like we we've never not made playoffs, but I also think it's because of our goaltending. So I think when you look at goaltenders, it's how do they compete? Like what, what's their mental makeup, like athletic ability and what kind of tools they have in their toolbox. I think all that stuff goes into the evaluation of the goaltender. And um, for me personally, I, I get to know the goalie. I talk to him and, and it's not just, it's not so much just, a stat driven position. Like you control the locker room, you control your goal crease, you control your defensive zone. So you have to know what's going on out there. It's not just one position. You kind of have to know everything. 
Yeah, and I, I like that you said it's not a stat-driven position because it it's incredibly accurate when when it comes to goaltending and you can look at a goalie's stats and be like, wow, incredible save percentage, incredible goals against average. But what's the team in front of them look like? How many shots are they actually getting per game? What are the types of shots they're getting? How are they responding to those shots? How are they responding to bad goals? And then you see it maybe a goalie that has, you know, the stats aren't pretty. You know, maybe it's like a .88, you know, two or something. And you look at the, the games they were playing and they're facing 70 to 75 shots a game. They had a short bench in front of them. Um, you know, the first two periods, they were playing out of their mind, but obviously the team got tired, fourth, fifth, sixth attempts, make it in. And it just looks like they've been playing garbage hockey. But if you watch their game, they're playing incredible, but the stats are going against them. Yeah, I mean, like when when I go to the rink and, I, and I'm specifically evaluating goaltender, I, I do keep track of the high da- danger shots they face. I think that's something that often goes overlooked. I mean, like you get four, 40 shots from the outside, you, you should probably stop at least 39 or 40 of them, you know. So yeah. when, when just evaluating the goaltending position, you do have to bring in some sort of analytics, you know, like I have my little defensive zone chart when I'm in my notebook and I'm just tracking the shots, you know, sometimes I'm not even really necessarily watching what he's doing. It's just what, what do the numbers tell you? Let's talk about this too, because I mean, we can't go through this podcast, not talk about the incredible season New Jersey had. You guys won it all. Uh, the NHL Robertson cup champions. Tell us about the, the, you know, not only just the whole overall experience, but this team that won it all. Yeah. I mean, this, (laughs) There's a lot of words that I could probably use, but I, I think the one thing we always came back to is we we were relentless. Like there was just something special about this group. Like obviously throughout the playoffs, everybody saw like we were never out of the game all the way up to the end. You know, like New Mexico had us on the ropes with 90 seconds, and California just rifles one in the back of the net from a pass from Nick Ring, and then we went in overtime. You know, like I I think there was just a, a sense of calmness, maturity, and and as soon as they stepped foot here in Middletown in September, like we knew this was probably a very special group. It was incredible to watch. And I mean, we talked about goalies. We talked about Takis. I'll just, I'll say it for like the third time on this podcast in three weeks. Uh, New Jersey probably doesn't make it to the national championship game without that just incredible save in the third period when there was a defensive breakdown and he was left all alone. And I'm like, Oh, here it is. It's over. It's going to be three to one. And he stops it. And New Jersey comes back and scores and ties the game and then takes it and they move on. I mean, it was a great team with like, obviously a ton of guys played awesome this year, including guys like Dumas and ring and such, but uh, breaking down that whole goaltending stuff and just seeing that, that type of save was just, I think it was just meant to be in the Titans uh, hands this year. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like we're keep, we keep talking about tactics, right? Like I think the one thing he- that resonates with me is when we were in the locker room, you said this team's meant for destiny and that's coming from your goaltender. And you, yeah. you watched them in the final four and you're like, he, he, he was probably the least talk about of all the goaltenders there. And it's like, yeah. why? You're like, he, he's the best goalie in the league. <laughs> so I, I think you look at what he did and the calmness that like he, he brought to our guys, just knowing that we were never going to be out of a hockey game. It, it's full credit to him and he's going to have a great, career at Colgate and probably pro hockey eventually. Yeah, I can see that. So I just kind of want to talk quickly about uh, coaching, obviously, because I, I mean, I love coaching and, and it's kind of, 
you know I like and Chris likes to bring everything back to goalies and I love to bring back everything to coaching and I think that's pretty well it's <laughs> pretty well our podcast at this point but uh, no obviously yeah. your, your your current role is director of scouting but you've got a ton of coaching experience under your belt as well um we know as coaches we always get you know people who give us advice obviously some really good and some makes you scratch your head and you just say thank you I'll put that one in my pocket for later um what's the one kind of piece of advice as a coach you've kind of received that's kind of you've kind of carried out throughout your career both as a coach and as a director of scouting yeah, I think a lot of my coaching, like I, I, my mentor is probably our general manager, Craig Doremus. I've been with him for seven years. And the one thing I've learned from him is you got to care about your guys. Like you, you can't just, you can't treat them like pieces of meat. You can't, you can't not talk to them. You, you have to hear them. Right. And, and it's a modern day player. Like they, they, they need instant satisfaction. So when they don't play well, they want to know why, and you can't let that resonate over the course of 10, 14 days because you'll lose a guy. So I think the biggest piece of advice I can give as a coach, it's it's something that I've taken into my my personal coaching style. But more importantly, when I recruit kids and talk to them about their performances, it's listen to them and, and hear them like it's it's not a one way street anymore. The players have a say. No, and I think what you just said right there, just bang on, like, sorry, just cut you off, Chris, but okay. it's that one-way street. And I think a lot of coaches, when you talk with them, right, they always say, like, watch how watch how you build a relationship with certain players or watch how close you get to players. But at the end of the day, I mean, for me, even as a player where I grew up with old-school coaching is if I, you know, couldn't respect the coach, it, like, from how he treats players or how, like, how am I supposed to get respect as a coach as well? So. Um, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, and I think that's something that definitely in today's coaching we see a lot more where, you know, guys are not demanding respect, but they're they're gaining their players' respect. And I find that, that you just can get players to play so much better for you and reach their potential when they know you actually care and you're not just there, for, you know, practice, blow the whistle, blow it off, and, you know, you're gone for the day and you don't worry about them. Yeah, I, I firmly believe coaching, you're here to serve the player. It's not the other way around. The player's not here to serve the coach. So feeding off of both of that right there, what have you noticed in specific players where sometimes maybe you might see a player that's amazingly talented when you're scouting or, you know, one of the scouts working for you identifies a player, but what are some concerns when you're watching these players on the ice? What are some of the concerns you see that make you kind of lean away from a player? Yeah, I think it's, it's more of the, the selfishness, right? Like when, when they're going back to the bench, right. Are they slamming their stick, right? Like, are they, they looking back and talking back to the coach, right? Like all that stuff goes into it. And, and I don't think parents and players realize how much homework actually goes into this stuff. Like if I see a player that I like and something doesn't sit well with me, I'm going to call their coach and say like, what do you think? You know? And, and coaches have reputations. Like they're not going to tell They're not going to not tell me the truth. You know, um, and then I always ask the question, is it is it something that we could work through? Is he is he immature? Like, does he need to mature? Like, it's a different setting better for him. Um, those are all things that we really take into consideration. But I, I think the selfishness is it's, it's you can't you can't have a locker room like it with it. Yeah, because I, I I know that we've we talked a lot about uh, what scouts and, and coaches look for in terms of uh, junior hockey players on this podcast. And uh, it's always interesting to hear what is identified. And I think uh, some of these players out there, you still watch them. I watch an epic ton of junior hockey, actually to the disturbing level of how much hockey I actually <laughs> watch on a weekly basis. And it's incredible to see how some of these players, you know, act and respond when things don't go their way. And I'm like, you know, people are watching. And I'm just, I'm wondering who's getting into their heads in terms of like, who's talking to him who's guiding him uh for some of these players just to 
just do a few things on the ice that you're like, what were you, what were you thinking? Because scouts are watching. Yeah, it's every day is an interview for these players, and and a lot of the younger players in the Titans program that I work closely with, I tell them that. Like one, my my mom always said it best. Like you never know who's watching you, <laughs> right? So you you better you better be on your top game all the time when you enter that ranked door. So uh, same message to all the players out there. It's like it's an interview every single time you step on the ice. Yeah, absolutely. Now we've talked hockey so far on this podcast, but now we want to talk. Gary Biggs, the person, the goalie. And if you've listened to this podcast in the past, we tend to talk food on this podcast for first time interviewees. <laughs> and uh, that's what we're going to do here. So first, what was your pregame meal when you were playing college hockey versus now when you're actually on the road scouting players? Yeah, in college, there was uh, there were two restaurants, local downtown Youngstown, um, Dan VR, where we would get some chicken parm. And same thing with the Golden Dawn. We'd get chicken parm. Um, I think that's it's pretty standard <laughs> across the board when you talk talk hockey players. I mean, <laughs> so um, it, it was typically a chicken parm with a, a salad and we go around one o'clock in the afternoon and then take our take our siesta and then head over to the rink. Um, but now scouting diet like yeah. <laughs> I, I, you guys are going to hate me for saying this, but like I, 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 I firmly believe McDonald's is the best restaurant in America. Oh, <laughs> like, like, like you go in the morning and get an egg McMuffin and, and it's consistent across the board. Same, same thing with the quarter pounder with cheese, you know? So um, I think w- when you're on the road, you got to look towards the golden arches. And I know my wife is going to roll her eyes when she hears this, but, <laughs> um, but I, I have a strong, strong argument that McDonald's is the best um, across the board, but that should be safe for a different podcast. <laughs> you're, you're not going to have parents uh, trying to, you know, any players who are recruiting that come up with the McDonald's gift cards be like, hey, you know, take a look at my kid. Here's 20 bucks McDonald's. Let me know what you think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to think after all these podcasts that see bass we might have to get into a different business of hockey and it just might be called chicken parm. We just call it what it is. And all we do is serve chicken parm outside of arenas. And I think we I think we could crush it. Yeah, uh, you I mean, do like half hour inside of an arena right before, you know, they kind of get to the game. They can crush yeah. it and then they got a half an hour to digest it. It's a perfect plan. It's such it a classic. Everybody eats it. Like <laughs> It really is. It's uh, that and the McDonald's, like for me, not necessarily uh, road food. I've never been a big fan of McDonald's. And then I left the States and I started having McDonald's in other places because other people forced me to. In England, it was incredible. In Germany, it was incredible. And I've been on tournaments where, you know, there are tournaments and we had, I would just say, favorable scheduling. So we wouldn't have games until noon, at least. And so we were able to stay out a little bit later um, at the local watering holes and then get up around 9.30, 10.30, walk to McDonald's, get the nice German McDonald's, which is <laughs> 10,000 times better than a U.S. McDonald's, and then uh, beat the rink for our 12.05 start. And um, I'll say that's where McDonald's wins for me is – um outside of the u.s but uh inside of the u.s i i really i can't stomach it <laughs> i don't get it man <laughs> yeah come to canada it's even it's it's like mcdonald's but boring so i mean from a guy who's been locked out of the states for the last two years because of covid i i miss american mcdonald's i'll be honest uh, no way um j- just real quick before i get in my my next question this is this has been kind of burning at me so as a jersey guy is it the jets or the giants 
I'm actually a Denver Bronco fan, so. Oh, oh gosh, even worse. <laughs> You're talking wow. to a Jets fan there <laughs> for some uh, reason. Yeah, I guess if, <laughs> I, can, I actually can't stomach either or, so. <laughs> As a Bills fan, well, I can everyone, agree with that. Everyone, thanks for the podcast. It's been great. No, no I'm just kidding. Um, no, but, but I mean, to, I mean, this kind of leads me to my question. And, um, you know, with New Jersey getting a, um, let's say, quote unquote, bad rap, um, to where even though know, both teams are calling themselves the New York Jets, the New York Giants, you know, they, they won't even they claim the, the name New Jersey. First, like, where, where does this reputation come from? Um, and why is it wrong if it is? And uh, why is New Jersey such a hotbed for hockey? Because every time I hear about New Jersey hockey, it just comes, everything's a positive. I've never really heard a negative about players coming out of New Jersey or the teams in New Jersey. Yeah, I mean, from a pro sports side of things and, and our fans and the reputation, I guess it's probably from the turnpike. Like, when you fly in, you see all the factories. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I can tell you where where we are in New Jersey, it's beautiful. There's local traffic every day of people from New York trying to come here, so I don't really get it. But uh, <laughs> so Jersey Shore, uh, we got the mountains, skiing, everything. So I, I think New Jersey, it's a it's a great area, but... Um, we definitely have an attitude. I can tell you that <laughs> and chip on our shoulder. Um, but in terms, in terms of hockey, I think it's, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, you look to the South, you have the Philadelphia Flyers right there in, in North Jersey, you have the Devils, obviously the Rangers, and even a little bit of the Islanders, like the fandom here, like you turn on TV, there's four games on a night, you know, and you look at how many rinks are in our area. I mean, like growing up in Bridgewater, there was two rinks within five miles of each other. So I, I think just the amount of hockey that's here is so underrated and um, you look at it, it's like our players are good. We invest a lot of money into our players from top to bottom, especially at the AAA levels. Um, so I don't think it's any secret on why we're good at hockey. Like it, it's, it's a popular sport here and, and kids really thrive at it, you know, and it's, it's easy for us to scout, but at the same time, it's like, you look at the New Jersey Titans, we have Jersey, New York guys all over our roster. So it, it's, it, it's homegrown. So what would be a great selling point for uh, players looking at the Titans? Yeah, I, I think you look at our, our college placements. Um, every year we lead the league in Division One commits for the most part. You look at our facility. Um, our owners, Jimmy Solovey and George Havlin, put a ton of money into our facility, and it's state-of-the-art. It's uh, When kids come in here, they, they usually leave saying, this is a hockey factory. Yeah, and that's what it is. You know, you, you eat it, you breathe it and you don't ever leave it. Cause they're, they're, you don't need to, you know, everything's in one facility, gym, housing, classrooms, everything. So, um, if you're really looking for your kid to make that next step in their hockey career, there, there's no other place than Middletown, New Jersey. So for, for anyone who's listening right now and kind of looking to kind of move on in their career, move up in their career, what, what's their best way to kind of contact you and maybe kind of start that conversation? Yeah, I mean, you you just could simply go on our website and our GM, Craig Doremus, Bobby DeRico, Kyle Shapiro, we're all on there. And you could just send us a player inquiry form or just send us a nice email. Uh, we may not get back to you, but I can tell you we do have a, we do have a database and our scouting department is probably one of the best in the league. Um, we're, we're a small, t- tight-knit group that 
goes in and works hard, you know, and you'll definitely get eyes on you. So don't ever feel like you can't reach out. Don't ever feel like you're just another number to us. Um, even at our, our open camps and, and our main camps, we try to give exit interviews to everybody because you look at a kid like Scotty Kremen, who just won a Robertson cup last year, he was at our open camp, you know, <laughs> and, and he, he came through the process and he took a chance and we do our homework. That's what I would say. So definitely reach out to us and let us know you're interested. Yeah, now I'm going to switch a little bit here. Now, you mentioned that you are a Broncos fan. Yep. Uh, Hockey, who do you lean towards? Um, Well, I'm an emergency backup goaltender for the New Jersey Devils, so I think contract legally obligated to to root for the Devils. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so if if, if you're – which is already cool. Now we're going to put on – we're just going to scratch director of Scott emergency (laughs) goaltender New Jersey Devils for this episode. But – it can't wait to see you next season. Uh, but I would say New Jersey Devils fan, uh, you guys going to trade away that pick? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> I keep hearing rumblings that uh, they're looking for like a top six forward. And and they, they're definitely weighing the, the second overall pick in that consideration. So very intrigued to see what the, the offseason brings. Yeah, all I can tell you is those guys there do a tremendous job, and they're going to get the ship right. Yeah, honestly, it's it's a gorgeous arena. I do love the Prudential Center. It's uh, one of the arenas I've actually had the you know privilege to be inside of and was at the game that now lives in infamy in terms of uh, anybody remembering Brodeur dance around the puck in the crease against the Pittsburgh Penguins. I happened to be there for that game in 20, I want to say, 13 and uh yeah the puck went through the crease he's literally like doing this jig trying to yeah. get but not stop you know not step on the puck and so and i was wearing my brodeur jersey for that game so i'm a huge brodeur fan um never truthfully like the devil sorry but i've always been a huge <laughs> brodeur fan since i was a kid because uh you know when it, when it comes to goaltending i love greatness and uh it doesn't get much better than martin brodeur yeah gro- growing up um i was a ranger fan so marty uh Gave me a lot of headaches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, born and raised Sabres fans, so uh, definitely wasn't looking in that direction in terms of fandom. But uh, you know, the greats tend to speak out that way. I think you know. I said you grew up as a as a Ranger fan, but I'm sure you got to catch some of the you know the Devils games and all that you know growing up as well. And uh, for me, actually, my first time I actually had to pick my own number in hockey or number four just because Scott Stevens. Um, Obviously, you know, big hits and all that, but just the way he played defense and the way he was just a leader, and I think it you know shows that he was able to jump behind a bench in the NHL as well. Um, so kind of what was kind of watching, you know, great hockey growing up in that area? Yeah, I mean, like I said, like every night, like you could just turn on the TV and there would be four games on, you know, and I think that's still true to this day. And watching the Ranger, Ranger double rivalry firsthand and, and just growing up with it, especially when both teams were good, you know, like it's – it was unreal. Like it was the talk of the town and uh, I could tell you the rivalry is real. So yeah, Sebastian. So you're telling me you wore number four because of Scott Stevens. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, just an absolute great, probably one of the greatest defensemen of all time. No, no, I agree with that. And uh, I wore number 30 because of Martin Brodeur. So I think we might've misnamed this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was a Richter guy. So <laughs> <laughs> I have his USA jersey. I'm a, I have a sick addiction. So 
Um, I had to sell off most of it, but that's for a past podcast and probably a future podcast. <laughs> but that said, we again want to thank our special guest, the director of scouting for the NHL's Robertson Cup national champion, New Jersey Titans, Gary Biggs. Thanks for having me, fellas. Appreciate it. No, not a problem. Thanks for jumping on. And we also want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at PHH Official to let us know what you think. And also be sure to comment and share any upcoming games or hockey news we should cover in a future podcast. This is the Pigeonal Hockey Podcast with Chris and Sebastian. Thanks for listening. And remember, always clear your crease.